Hey guys, welcome back to the show and thank you so much for tuning in. Just a heads up, this episode is going to be a fiery one because stories like the ones I have right here, honestly, they are the reason why I am seriously considering leaving modern life and just moving to the wilderness and establishing a compound, right? Because I don't I don't know how much more I can take of this, but first up, Nick Cannon. He went on an extremely racist rant, we're gonna be discussing it, and the backlash that followed. Then Barry Weiss, a former editor at the New York Times, she recently resigned from the publication in an open letter and is now being hailed as a champion for free speech and free expression, but does her past actually support the idea that she is a champion of open dialogue? Doesn't actually look like it. All right, so let's just hop right into it. Nick Cannon is an actor and a writer, a producer, among other things. He appeared in a podcast, a clip of which went viral this week for essentially being super duper racist. And I know the word racist is thrown around a lot in 2020, but trust me, this actually is we have a clip here when we talk about the power of melanated people when we talk mm -hmm. about who we really are as guys and, and understanding right. that our melanin is so power and it connects us in a way that the reason why they fear black the reason why they fear is because they the lack that they have of it so then when you see what you know dr uh francis c wellesling talked about is that Fear in that 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 uh, just genetic that annihilation efficiency of mm -hmm. when you have a person that has ha has the lack of pigment, the right. lack of melanin, right. that they know that they will be annihilated. I don't know about you guys, but I feel like we've watered down the word racist so much by applying it to things like flags and hats and even emoji. For goodness sakes, that at least personally, when I now actually see something that is genuinely racist. It kind of shocks me, right? Like I'm taken aback just, oh yeah, that's what racism actually is. And I feel exactly like that when listening to this clip. I have a lot to say about it, of course, but first I want to tell you all about our awesome sponsor, Echelon. So odds are you've heard about the Peloton bike, right? Those ads are everywhere. But the problem with those bikes is that they are just way too expensive for the average person, right? We're not all Kardashians introducing the Echelon Fit. For a lot of us, getting to the gym each morning is really hard, and not to mention that so many people are still under lockdown orders during this whole pandemic thing. So what are we gonna do about working out? Well, the Echelon Fit is here to help you in your at-home workout. Echelon has a huge lineup of connected fitness bikes, fitness mirrors, which are new to me and super cool, and rowing machines that give you a fun and challenging workout from the comfort and safety of your own home. In as little as 20 minutes, you can get into the best shape of your life and be active with the entire family. Their world-class instructors will motivate you with daily live and on-demand classes that are always available when you need them. It's on your schedule, not anyone else's. And unlike their competitors, Echelon is affordable for everyone. Their EX1 connected fitness bike is less than half the price of a Peloton. And with Echelon financing, you can try them out risk-free for 30 days, zero down, and as little as $46 per month. Nothing to lose there. So go to echelonfit.com slash 
slash Lauren. That's E-C-H-E-L-O-N fit.com slash Lauren. So they know our show sent you. It is a great way to not only support the show, but also get fit while so many of us are stuck at home right now. So if you've watched this show before, you'll probably know that I am not one to shy away from difficult conversations. And I by no means think that we should ignore uncomfortable truths like that can be found in biology or science in general just because they're not politically correct, right? That's not my position at all. However, nothing, absolutely nothing that was just said in that podcast comes close to being a scientific fact, right? It's it's just not. Uh, there is nothing in melanin that is linked to having compassion or soul, whatever that means. I mean, that is just not the biological function of melanin. This is the type of rhetoric that we see all the time from black supremacists, specifically the black Hebrew Israelites, which are a special brand of crazy. And it really does seem like Nick Cannon has kind of drank the Kool-Aid that they are serving. He also, I mean, to that end, cites Louis Farrakhan, who, if you've seen him at all know, is a renowned black supremacist and anti-Semite. The type of things that Nick Cannon is saying is really the equivalent of a white supremacist talking about how white people are just purer because of the color of their skin, right? Just, you know, that that amorphous purity that makes them better. Uh, additionally, he also talks about the idea of dominant genes, right? The fact that white people are scared of being wiped out because our, our genes are dominant. This is just straight out of a black supremacist handbook. I mean, he literally says people without melanin are a little less and as bad as all of this is, it actually gets worse. That's right, there is more to this whole mess. They have the lack of compassion mm -hmm. that mel melanin comes with compassion. Melanin comes with soul that mm -hmm. we call it. We call it soul. We soul brothers and sisters. That's the melanin that connects us. Right. So the people that don't have it are a little less. They're acting out of fear, low self-esteem. Therefore, the only way that they can act is evil. The only way they can, they, they have to rob, steal, rape, kill, and fight or flight okay. in, or, in order to survive. They had to be savages. They had to be barbaric. Again, I am not one to shy away from controversial science. Uh, I still think science is objective fact. Even if we don't like it, we can't dismiss it. This is not science. Again, this is not what melanin does. Anyone who knows anything about biology will know that melanin, you know, increasing melanin production doesn't make you less or more savage. That's just, that is not how it works. And some quotes from this whole rant, in case you missed them, he says, the only way they can act is evil. They had to be savages. They had to be bi barbaric, of course, referring to non-black people. They're the ones that are closer to animals. Okay, imagine if someone said this about black people. Okay, imagine the outrage. Uh, just This is just a classic example of racist rhetoric. You are judging an entire race as a group, and not only that, but you are using pseudoscience, pseudobiology to do it, right? And we live in an age where, uh, you know, things like statistics or studies like IQ are called pseudoscience. This actually is pseudoscience. There's nothing quantitative about anything that he is saying. Again, the word racist misused a lot. This actually is. But what, what was even more disgusting than hearing this rant was 
the number of people online who are actually praising him for this or agreeing with it. We have some examples of that here. So this person says, cancelled for what? In response to someone saying, should he be cancelled? Y'all tortured slaves and turned them into furniture amongst other things, held picnics to watch slaves be tor tortured, ripped slaves apart, let them be eaten alive by dogs, raped them, and tore them away from their families. If that's not savage, what is? Okay, so if you think at all that the cruelty white people, some white people bestowed among African slaves is unique, you are ignorant. Like there's no other way to describe that. History is messy. History is bloody. Am I excusing what some white people did to slaves? Of course not. But don't you for one second think that white people are some outliers in cruelty in history? Because that is just not how that works. And I honestly, a, a lot of the blame on this should be with the American education system because it's clearly not doing a good enough job teaching people how the world functioned before, ironically, white people largely put an end to slavery. We have more here. This person says, white people need to address their generational curses. Historically, y'all have lacked compassion. What about this is a lie? Y'all are rarely ever taught compassion and generally don't feel like y'all have a reason to be compassionate. What? Excuse me, like these people are some of the biggest racists there are. There's just no other word for it. If you can, if you think you can say that white people as a whole are not compassionate, that is no different than a white person telling you this, I'm assuming black person that wrote this, that black people as a whole are prone to, to criminality, right? It's, it's ridiculous. You cannot do that. I don't judge individuals based on group statistics and it's ne never mind that this isn't an assumption based on group statistics this is an assumption based on just pure rhetoric there's nothing backing this up how do you measure compassion we have more though tam hanma says lmfao at all the people mad at factual information does fact mean something different uh, for for people like this because i assume it does because I saw no facts here. We also have, everybody is calling him racist, but what other reason is there to why Europeans raped, killed, and colonized so many countries today? Literally whole civilizations and people gone due to their actions, are we just ignoring that? Okay, um, the thing is, Europeans weren't more cruel than other societies. If we're gonna be honest about it, they were just more efficient than other societies, right? It's not like other societies that Europeans stumbled upon were just uh, running around in fields with rainbows and unicorns corns holding hands singing kumbaya that is not what happened right i mean a great example of this is the aztecs right the native americans they were not some bunch of puppy dogs until the europeans came each each society has its own history of bloodshed the thing about europeans is that they were just a lot more skilled at exporting their own bloodshed that doesn't make them more evil that just makes them if anything more industrious uh but anyway there this caused a whole stir on social media and as i would say could be predicted eventually viacom did announce that they would be severing ties with nick cannon we have this from cnn it says that viacom cbs announced tuesday that it was severing its ties with with Canon on Wednesday, a spokesman for the corporation released a statement to CNN saying the company condemns bigotry of any kind and we categorically denounce all forms of anti-Semitism. We have spoken with Nick Cannon about an episode of his podcast, Cannon's Class, on YouTube, which promoted hateful speech and spread anti-Semitic conspiracy theories, the statement said. All right, so again, it's, it's no surprise that this happened after that clip was released, but 
Did, did you notice that the statement mentions anti-Semitism several times, but no mention of anti-whiteness? Yeah, that's, that's kind of strange, right? Because like, don't get me wrong, Cannon did say some things about the Jews specifically. It's written here again in CNN that Cannon said that Griff was speaking facts and amplified Griff's views that Jewish people controlled the media, likening it to the power of the Rothschild family, Banking Science, who have long been targets of anti-Semitic conspiracy theories. The mass Singer host also disputed that such views were anti-Semitic because Cannon said black people are the true Hebrews. Yeah, sounds pretty anti-Semitic to me, but there was no mention uh, from the Viacom statement of anything to do with anti-white racism. It, it kind of seems like they're giving the anti-whiteness a pass and really just taking action because of the anti-Semitism. And, and don't get me wrong, yeah, let's call him out for the anti-Semitism as well. Both are problematic. But why is it that only the anti-Semitism is worthy of being sacked? Right? Is someone saying that literally white people are less, white people are barbaric, uh, they have less compassion because they're less melanated? Is that not grounds for firing, but the anti-Semitism is? It just seems like kind of a double standard, which is frustrating. And I've already seen some conservatives say like, hang on, no guys, he shouldn't be fired for this. Let's not participate in cancel culture ourselves. I'm not going to be calling for any, I mean, he's already been fired, but I'm not gonna say whether or not I support him being fired. I just want you all to have a little bit of a think about what cancel culture really means to you. To me, cancel culture means firing people for past or minor uh, indiscretions, right? Refusing to accept apologies, going after family and friends, things like guilt by association, or demonizing mainstream opposing views. That to me is cancel culture. Should something like losing your job for saying that non-white people are less than black people because they have no melanin, are therefore genetically inferior and lack compassion. Should that be considered cancel culture? I honestly don't think that it should be. I wouldn't say that Nick Cannon should never work in media again because then of course that is heading into cancel culture territory. The idea that forgiveness should not exist or that people cannot change. However, keep in mind that Nick Cannon has not apologized for any of these statements. It does not appear that he misspoke in any way and in fact, to the contrary, based off a social media post he made about this whole situation, it does seem that those statements he made on that podcast accurately reflect his views. In my opinion, I'm sorry, no, it is not cancel culture for a large company to say, I don't know if we really want to be attached to an open racial supremacist. That's just my opinion, though. I would love to hear yours, as always. Let's move on, though. Let's talk about Barry Weiss. So Barry Weiss is a former editor at the New York Times, and she recently made headlines and was trending because she resigned from the publication in an open letter, which she also posted to her own website. I have an excerpt of it here. She wrote, It is with sadness that I write to tell you that I am resigning from the New York Times. I joined the paper with gratitude and optimism three years ago. I was 
was hired with the goal of bringing in voices that would not otherwise appear in your pages. First-time writers, centrists, conservatives, and others who would not naturally think of the Times as their home. The reason for this effort was clear. The paper's failure to anticipate the outcome of the 2016 election meant that it didn't have a firm grasp of the country it covers. My own forays into wrongthink have made me the subject of constant bullying by colleagues who disagree with my views. They have called me a Nazi and a racist. I have learned to brush off comments about how I'm writing about the Jews again. Several colleagues perceived to be friendly with me were badgered by coworkers. My work and my character are openly demeaned on company-wide Slack channels where masthead editors regularly weigh in. There, some coworkers insist I need to be rooted out if this company is to be truly inclusive, while others post axe emojis next to my name. Still, other New York Times employees publicly smear me as a liar and a bigot on Twitter with no fear that harassing me will be met with appropriate action. They never are. So I want to preface this segment by saying I appreciate the fact that it appears like Barry Weiss made an integrity decision here by leaving the New York Times, right? I, I want to applaud that for sure. However, I'm a little bit critical of this situation for several reasons. Uh, number one, it frustrates me that even in her resignation letter, she refuses to name the, uh, the ideology or the reason why so many of her colleagues might be hostile toward her, right? I mean, we all know she's talking about the social justice activists, the far left, the progressives. Why does she not call out these people by name? I think because she is still in some way towing the liberal general left-wing line of refusing to maybe admit that, yeah, the far left is a problem. So it's a lot easier to just say, oh, you know, my colleagues, there's this work culture, yada, it, no. Okay, this is a systemic problem that stems from a far left ideology. And frankly, if we're not able to name it, which she does not, we cannot combat it. And second, as we're gonna get into it, it just doesn't seem like this whole new approach to open dialogue that Barry Weiss touts in this letter is very representative of her past, which we'll be getting into. But first, I want to talk to you all about Laurel Springs. So with this whole pandemic thing, so many families have kind of been thrust into the world of homeschooling. And I've seen on social media online, so many parents are absolutely loving the experience of being able to take charge of their children's education. But a lot of you, uh, from what I've seen, are wanting a little bit more guidance in the process. Well, that's where Laurel Springs comes into the equation. Online learning might be new for your family, but Laurel Springs has been doing this for nearly 30 years. As the experts in online learning, Laurel Springs has the tools and the curriculum your child needs to maintain their learning unhindered by whatever the future holds. Their flexible learning programs designed designed for students in kindergarten through 12th grade offer challenging and diverse courses and Laurel Springs is accredited by the Western Association of Schools and Colleges and Cognia, which means their transcripts are recognized by colleges and universities worldwide. So you don't need to be alone in this whole homeschool journey. Let Laurel Springs be your guide. Register your child at laurelsprings.com slash Lauren today and receive a waived registration fee. That's laurelsprings.com slash Lauren for your waived registration fee. Again, laurelsprings.com slash Lauren. All right. 
Now, one of the first things I noticed when this whole Barry Weiss story started trending was how many other like classical liberals were really latching onto her leaving as a way to say, look, something has happened to the New York Times. We have some examples of that here. Sam Harris said, everyone is retweeting the Barry Weiss resignation letter and for good reason, it has been shocking to see the New York Times succumb to the hysteria, dogmatism and cruelty of woke identity politics. This is how real journalism ends. And even Andrew Yang, he said, if someone like Barry Weiss feels like she can't do her best work at the New York Times, they should make some real changes over there. It's great. It really is that Barry Weiss is calling out the New York Times in a way. And it's also amazing that people like Sam Harris and Andrew Yang are saying, yeah, seems like there's a problem with the New York Times and that they're falling short of the ideal of unbiased journalism. That's great, really, it is. However, this did not start with Barry Weiss, okay? These are problems that conservatives have been pointing out four years since before 2016, that the media, and yes, the New York Times specifically, are no longer journalists. They are activists. And, you know, frankly, it kind of frustrates me that it takes someone who is center-left, like Barry Weiss, to speak out about it before people like Sam Harris and Andrew Yang actually acknowledge that there's a problem, all right? Because, uh guess what? The way that centrist or center-left people like Barry Weiss are treated does not dictate the way that our political discourse is going, okay? Things have been a lot worse for a lot longer for conservatives, but far too many people have ignored it. So yeah, I mean, on, on the one hand, it's great we're addressing this now, but in, in my opinion, it kind of feels like too little, too late, right? I mean, like, where were these people when Sarah Jong was hired to the New York Times while simultaneously tweeting out the most racist thing against white people. It kind of seems like they were nowhere to be found. But now, now that a center-left person like themselves is getting canceled, now's the time to talk about the problems at the New York Times. Okay, I, I see how things are. And actually, this brings us to a discussion of Barry Weiss herself, because like I said, it is not standing up for open dialogue if you only care about the ability to express your own views. That is just self-interest. And to be frank, if we look back at Barry Weiss's career, it doesn't seem like she has the best track record of standing up for opposing viewpoints. Now, we're going to start with this article uh, by Glenn Greenwald, who I don't agree with, hardly at all, but I do respect a lot of his writings. Uh, he writes about Barry Weiss's college years where she apparently tried to cancel some Muslim or Arab professors for not being pro-Israel enough. Now, there's been this whole debate over what exactly happened, as she's addressed it several times. I recommend you do your own research into the issue if you're interested, but here is what Greenwald had to say about it. Of Barry Weiss, he writes, her relatively short career as a writer and activist has been overwhelmingly devoted to one issue, a defense of the Israeli government and a corresponding smear campaign against its critics. Her targets have tended overwhelmingly to be Muslim and or Arab, often in the context of campus politics. She explained that she got involved in journalism through activism, specifically activism against Arab and Muslim professors at Columbia, whom she accused of bullying Jewish and Israeli students. That was a part of an incredibly ugly campaign launched by the film Columbia Unbecoming to depict those 
Ghettos era professors, members of one of America's most marginalized groups, as oppressors of Jewish students. One of the era professors targeted by that campaign, Joseph Massad, described it as the latest salvo in a campaign of intimidation of Jewish and non-Jewish professors who criticize Israel. The New York Civil Liberties Union condemned the campaign and that film, which Weiss credits as having catalyzed her interest in journalism, as a witch hunt designed to punish Israel critics. Again, there is a lot of debate over what exactly happened at Columbia with Weiss, but I, I just thought I would mention the incident since it seems kind of relevant to uh, her whole condemnation of cancel culture and silencing opposing viewpoints. But more to the point, in 2018, so really not long ago, Barry Weiss wrote a piece for the New York Times about the IDW, or Intellectual Dark Web, where she doesn't really come across with the same willingness to listen to opposing viewpoints that she does in her resignation letter. And again, I have some excerpts of that piece here. So she writes, Mr. Rubin, referring of course to Dave Rubin, whose mentor is Larry King, insists his job is just to let the person sitting across from him talk and let the audience decide. But with a figure like Mr. Cernovich, referring to Mike Cernovich, of course, who can occasionally sound reasonable, how is a viewer supposed to know better? Huh, how is a viewer supposed to judge a person's viewpoints? I don't know, perhaps with their own mental faculties, Barry? I don't know. But she continues, of course, the whole notion of drawing lines to keep people out is exactly what inspired the intellectual dark web folks in the first place. They're committed to the belief that setting up no-go zones and no-go people is inherently corrupting to free thought. Oh, well, Obviously, Miss Barry Weiss, who is standing up for free dialogue, should be supportive of this concept, right? Not, not in 2018 she wasn't, no. She writes, But people who pride themselves on pursuing the truth and telling it plainly should be capable of applying these labels when they're deserved. It seems to me that if you're willing to sit across from an Alex Jones or Mike Cernovich and take them seriously, there's a high probability that you're either cynical or stupid. If there's a reason for shorting the IDW, it's the inability of certain members to see this as a fatal error. Keep in mind her criticism of those who would sit across from Alex Jones because it's it's gonna come up again later. She also writes, what's more, this frog kissing plays perfectly into the hands of those who want to discredit the individuals in this network. In recent days, for example, Mr. Harris, referring to Sam Harris, has been labeled by the Southern Poverty Law Center as a bridge to the alt-right. She writes, that isn't true. But she also notes that this kind of falsehood is much easier to spread when other figures in the IDW are promiscuous about whom they'll associate with. Here she is literally advocating for guilt by association, something which it seems like 2020 Barry Weiss resigning from the New York Times would maybe have issue with, don't you think? And she finishes off this piece by noting that I get the appeal of the IDW. I share the belief that our institutional gatekeepers need to crack the gates open much more. I don't, however, want to live in a culture, listen here folks, where there are no gatekeepers at all. Given how influential this group is becoming, I can't be alone in hoping the IDW finds a way to eschew the cranks, grifters, and bigots and stick to the truth-seeking. I would love to believe, and I hope it's the case, 
case that her time at the New York Times has given Barry Weiss a new outlook on political discourse, that she now really does believe that it is not her or anyone else's place to gatekeep what is and what is not acceptable political opinions. But it kind of seems to me like this is more an instance of her simply being bothered that her own views are being demonized and that now she, rather than people like Alex Jones and Mike Cernovich, are the ones who are being called Nazis and bigots. And, and by the way, in case you need any more proof that perhaps Barry Weiss isn't as committed to different ideas as this resignation letter would have you believe, I present to you her interview in 2019 with Joe Rogan, who, remember, did sit across from Alex Jones. Now, I mean, cynical or stupid, I don't know what Barry Weiss would label Joe Rogan. Apparently, she was still willing to, to go on his podcast, even though he is friends with Alex Jones. But just listen to what she has to say about Tulsi Gabbard. So she's an Assad sycophant. My, is that what you're saying? My, yeah, that's proof. That's known about her. Like, what did she say that? that oh, we have to look. Her? I don't. I don't remember the details. We I've probably read should say that before we say that about her. We should probably read it rather. Well, I have read it. No, I mean, I we just, should write oh, now. Oh, yeah. Okay. Just so we know what she said. Look I, up I've Tulsi had her on Gabbard. Before, look up I really Tul enjoy talking to her. I like her a lot. Are you serious? Yeah, I like talking to her. Okay. I like okay. talking to her. I don't know about. I think she's like the mother load of bad ideas. Whoa. I'm pretty positive about that, especially on Assad. Correct me if I'm wrong, but if you really are about, you know, having people's voices be heard and all of that, it kind of seems like as a journalist, you shouldn't be smearing a candidate whom you obviously know nothing about, right? I mean, I can't be the only one that thinks that. I mean, I, I really hope that Barry Weiss in 2020 would not do or say some of the things that we've just gone through. But to me, so far, this kind of does seem more like political opportunism and self-interest rather than a principled stand for open dialogue. I mean, I guess as someone who despises the New York Times, I should just be happy that so many people are now dunking on them. But it just, from an integrity standpoint, it kind of frustrates me that, I guess, I guess conservatives, when the censorship and blacklisting happens to them, it just doesn't matter as much as when it happens to Barry Weiss. That's it for now, though. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. And as always, I hope to see you next time.